Many people are familiar and in love with the Lord Jesus who died for them on the cross. But when you ask them the question, what is Jesus doing right now, many don't know. Find out the answer on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey guys, on this season of Inverse, we're looking at different components of the last days. We've looked at the book of Daniel, of Revelation, the assurance of salvation, and Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary is the topic for today. Uh, Israel, can you start us a prayer, please? Yeah. Father in heaven, we thank you that you hear and you answer our prayers because of your son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And we ask you now at this time that you would join us in this conversation, that you would give us insights into his character. We offer this prayer in his name. Amen. 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 Jared, uh, Philippians, not Revelation, but Philippians yeah. 2 is where we're going to get into. Yep. Starting in verse 9, it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and of those under the earth. I like verse 11 too. We're going to read verse 11. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw it in there. Uh, it says, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just a good, verse, just a good passage, yeah. Uh, Sebastian, I mean, we've been covering a lot this, uh, this season. Mm -hmm. And I think the really pro one profound thought, one of many, is that Jesus is really the main focus of Revelation. So what are some, 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 some vignettes, some, some images of Jesus we see throughout? Well, uh, I like the word vignettes because you get these insights into Christ's role in the sanctuary being connected to a lot of the imagery and revelation. So you get the concept, the reference to the Lamb of God. You get the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Mm -hmm. um, you get uh, golden censers and that intercessory ministry. Mm -hmm. And you even get a sense of Christ being the means by which God's people are reconciled to each other through his blood and things like this. So there's, there's uh, several different pictures of Christ throughout Revelation that help give us insights in terms of how we relate to him and the sanctuary and what he's doing in the sanctuary. Oh, I love, I love, I just, I'm so grateful for the image of the sanctuary because it gives, gives a lot of elucidation, clarity to Absolutely. the ministry of Jesus throughout this. Um, let's start with uh, well, the first one here, Jesus as our supreme sacrifice. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Um, Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice. Let's go to Israel. When you get there, can you read that for us? Romans 8, 3. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I found it. Romans 8, 3. I was giving it after chapter 7. Romans, bro. Romans 8, 3. Chapter, verse 3 is after verse 2. Thank you. Most translations that. I'm aware of. All right. Are you ready for me to read? I All right. Okay. With bated breath. All right. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Okay, what's, what's, what is, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. And, and what's going on in verse 3 here of chapter 8? Sebastian? Well, you know, um, I love this because it, it, it almost poses a certain tension between God and the law, right? Because it says in verse 3 that, the, what the law could not do mm. in that it was weak through the flesh, God did, mm. right? And what did God do? That by sending his own son, that's Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin and dying for us, he condemned sin in the flesh. Mm. So as the very supreme sacrifice in the sanctuary system, the sacrifice was substitutionary. Mm. It was replacing the sinner. So it was dying in my place and I was living in its place. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible is letting us know that the law, the standards, 
that by which we understand sin could not do this. They were weak through the flesh. Mm -hmm. Telling me the truth did not help me to obey it, but God did that by sending his own son well, to die Let's make that really us. real. I, mean, I think we've heard a lot that Jesus is my sacrifice, he died for me, but mm -hmm. how do we make that into every day, like, make that a little bit more real? Yeah? Well, Jesus does, Israel? you know, and when we dealt with Romans, we addressed this issue yeah. that Jesus does what no one else can do or what nothing else can do. Mm -hmm. And so this is how it, be it becomes real because we can't understand the beauty of the gospel. We can't understand the beauty of Jesus unless we understand the depth of the horribleness of the human condition. Mm -hmm. Jesus becomes the ultimate sacrifice because he does what no one else can do. And this is, it goes back to Revelation, right? Who's worthy to open the book? And and this this whole, you know, dramatic situation in the room. And, I, yeah, and I, would even, I would even take it a step further to say take, that, take it a step you, know, <laughs> you know, when you think about making it real, you think about the fact that the cross means nothing if Jesus means nothing to you, mm -hmm. right? It's just another person who died on a, per, a, you know, a method of torture by the Romans. So you're saying many people died by crucifixion. Absolutely. So, so, what, what, so what makes Jesus special? So the thing that made, makes Christ special is when you know him and the relationship and the love you have. That's why you can't appreciate the cross until you understand Jesus himself, the sacrifice. So if you brought your lamb in the Old Testament, it didn't just have to be a lamb from the flock. Oh, let me get this beat up lamb with a broke leg and bring it to the altar in order to die for me because if I give my best lamb, I'm losing. Mm -hmm. Not just that particular lamb, especially if it was male, I'm losing all the progeny that comes to that lamb. When I put it on the altar and he was without blemish, mm -hmm. he was my best lamb. And so when you're thinking about the fact that the Bible calls Jesus the lamb of God, Right now you're talking about heaven's best. Yeah. So God brings his best and lays it on the altar for me because I had nothing to offer. Mm -hmm. And I always picture it to make it personal for me in the cross is to think about the fact that if I took, you know, my daughter or my wife or my mom or my father and I'm thinking to myself that my dad and my mom is suffering because of mistakes that I made. No one likes to see people they love suffer because of their own mistakes. Mm. And if I neglect to do something as a father and my kids are suffering, it's like, man, they have to go through this. And all you're thinking to yourself is then it becomes real for you mm. that someone is substitution, you know, substituting themselves for my own pain. Mm. And that becomes, I mean, overwhelming, almost unbearable. Isn't that kind of unfair to a degree? I mean, shouldn't, well, God is, God is unfair to let someone else suffer for what I did. Mm. I mean, make sense of that. It, it is. Sure. Sin is unfair. Sin and, is unfair. And, and that's the, that's the beauty of the gospel mm -hmm. that no one in their right mind would, first of all, allow their, their son to suffer in unfair and in unjust right, death right. and torture and separation for anyone else, you know, and, and that's where the beauty of, there is no, there is no fairness to the gospel, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? The gospel by nature has to be unfair. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it ceases to be good news. Mm -hmm. that's, I, I love that. that's the good that's, part of the a, news in the gospel. There is a beauty in that. We've been kind of treading on the, the, the image of Jesus as, as Lamb of God. Can I ask you guys, why a lamb? What, what are some insights that, that you know, what the Bible give about lamb, Jared? Well, the first thing I think of um, is Isaiah chapter 53, where it talks mm. about the mm -hmm. sheep before his shears, right? There's, there's a gentleness there. There is a simplicity there. There's a willingness and submission mm. there. Um, and Jesus characterizes purity there. 
Um, Jesus characterized all of those things in his character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think Lamb also speaks to the vulnerability and the willing submission, right? Yeah. I don't think Christ was weak, but I think he's a lamb in the sense of his willingness to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. And you also think about the reference to the blood of the lamb in the Passover, right? Which was celebrating what happened in Egypt. And the fact that you were in the, the nation of Egypt and the angel of death was passing through every single home. Every single home was visited, but not every single home experienced death. And the reason was because when that blood was on the doorpost, the blood of that particular lamb, you have the recognition that the angel's like, well, something already died here. Mm. So I'm moving on, right? And those who did not sacrifice, the, the, who did not kill the lamb and spread its blood on the doorpost, you know, these people were not passed over. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was going to show that it had nothing to do with the worthiness of who was inside the house. It had nothing to do with your culture, if you were Egyptian or if you were a external Jew. external alien force. Not Completely alien in terms outside of, of yourself. Outside of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think when you think about the lamb, you're, you're thinking about that animal that, you, that they had to kill on that night was this, you know, willing, willingly submit. You don't find lambs fighting and trying to bust out, you know, from being sacrificed and killed. There's also another sure. element, and that's the element of association. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And I think by Jesus mm. becoming a lamb, there's an association of him <clears throat> becoming one with humanity, him becoming one of us. Yeah, I love and, You're bringing it back to, to, for me, for Romans 8, 3, in the likeness of sinful flesh, kind of, we are the sheep, we are the lambs, we are the dumb animals that follow whatever goes around, right. and he comes as one of us, as you're saying, and yeah. he dies in, as, as a lamb. Um, I, I really, I'm, I can bring the two things, the supreme sacrifice and the Lamb of God together. Yeah. In the Old Testament, there's all these different types of sacrifices. Right. You have one that's the burnt offering, and this, this lamb is just on top of the fire and just there until it's completely incinerated, consumed. consumed. Yeah. There's another one where it's broken, and the priest takes one, and the, uh, the sinner takes one, and a, couple, a portion is given to God. Another one, it's food or drink. Another one, it's the, it's the blood. And there's all these different things for different circumstances. Circumstances. Mm -hmm. But God, Jesus comes and he's the ultimate sacrifice. Yes. You take all these, even the Passover motif and this, and you just kind of all put it together and kind of like a rope that has its, you know, I don't know what they're called, but the, the little... <laughs> You, the you braids, know, braids, the you know, and yeah. the more imagery you put together, I mean, this is Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. Yes. Yeah, that he talks he, about. He, can, he not only does he represent all those things, but the other difference with those other sacrifices that makes him supreme mm. is the fact you don't have to sacrifice again, mm -hmm. yeah. right? With the other with the other offerings, it's like, well, you have to offer the peace offering all the time. Mm -hmm. The, 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 um, you know, when we, when right. we, when you look at uh, Daniel in, in different sanctuary services there, where it's like there's a daily offering, mm -hmm. so it's like every day there's this offering. But Christ, one time, mm -hmm. that's it. From every angle, from every angle that you look at it, it just points to the fact that Jesus is perfect. Mm -hmm. He's a perfect match. He's a perfect match because he fulfills, all, you know, ev from every angle he fulfills the, the sacrifice. But also from the angle of he's human, but he's also God's lamb. So he, there's a connection of mm. humanity and divinity. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, you know, th there's connections from every single angle that Jesus fits perfectly he's the answer to every single question that deals with sin with salvation 
and with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, and I would also sure. add that there's an accessibility thing there, too, because what do you mean? Um, we're talking about lambs here. Yes. But when Mary and Joseph go up to the sanctuary to make an offering, they're sacrificing little birds, right? right? Yeah. Because they didn't have the money, uh, you know, to, 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 to bring a lamb because, you know, they're traveling, they get to the, the temple. The, the priesthood at that time was totally extorting the people because they had to tr they had to transition their money or, uh, or um, convert it, yeah. convert it over, exchange it. And yeah. They had to buy something there and people were enriching themselves. And God, through Moses, basically said, I don't want expense to be any type of obstacle. Socioeconomics, like that's not going to restrict you from coming to me. So they could take the, the, the smallest sacrifice, a simple bird and sacrifice it. And that was the same as a lamb or one of the most expensive, like the, the livestock, the larger mm. cattle that they would sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So it's accessible to anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're covering the, the beautiful images of Jesus found in the book of Revelation. This is a special episode, an all-male episode. Come back after the break, and we'll continue to move more of the male Jesus we found in Revelation. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We're looking at the vignettes of Jesus throughout the book of Revelation, especially in the heavenly sanctuary. We've looked at Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the sacrifice. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. And Sebastian, can you read that for us? Verse 24 to, to whenever you feel like stopping. Sounds good. Hmm. It says, But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself." For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the, world, the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the Son, who has been perfected forever. Okay, Hebrews, one of the more difficult books of the New Testament, and there's a passage there, and it's talking about, I think, Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, insights. Uh, it, it's in, it's talking it about us. Jesus in two different ways, yes. right? Because you have, in, in the sanctuary, you would have a sacrifice, and you would do that in the presence of a priest. Mm -hmm. The priest would take the blood. Paul here is making this argument that Jesus is the priest. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is the priest who sacrificed himself. So he's not just the mediator, but he provides uh, the blood of cleansing. He is every symbol. He is a fullness in himself. Mm -hmm. He's the priest and the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And whereas before we talked about the fact that Jesus from every angle is the supreme sacrifice, I would also say that Jesus is the supreme priest. You know, just as he fulfills from every angle the beauty of the Lamb, he now fulfills from every angle the beauty of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. He's perfect, first of all. He's, you know, everlasting, mm -hmm. and he can ever live to make intercession from us. Mm -hmm. He's separate from sinners, mm -hmm. yet at the very same time, 
He lives for the purpose of interceding for sinners. And so from the angle of heaven, from the angle of eternity, from the angle of humanity, from the angle of the human condition of sinfulness, Jesus becomes the perfect priest, as perfect a priest as he is a sacrifice. I mean, this is incredible that he's, he's all. Jesus is yeah. all, all in all. Mm-hmm. But there's still denominations out there that have human priests, and they put human, well, not human, but they put little stages, intermediate stages between us and God mm-hmm. to make them stages for, for holiness and sacraments, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying, no, Jesus has fulfilled all that. The yeah. message of Hebrews is Jesus is, is better yeah. and all and game over. And, that's, yes. and this is exactly what that's speaking against, the need for any human being to mm. step in as a priest between us and humanity. It's that's like, right. why in the world would we want a, 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 a sinful priest that has to continually produce, you know, sacrifices for when, himself, for himself, mm-hmm. and then for us, mm-hmm. when we have the perfect priest that is sinless that ever lives to make intercession for us. It's like, who in the world would want to trade the real thing for something that's fake? Mm-hmm. Yep. Ex- explain that experience. What does it mean? Like, I guess a lot of us are so attuned to. I mean, I grew up in the in the Catholic school and the Catholic system where, I mean, you always have someone. Um, who's batting for you? And I mean, mm-hmm. the, the guy's not perfect, but I mean, he's he's there batting for you. But what is the experience of someone who's who is perfect? And what what does intercession mean? Who is he interceding before? What what's actually in that process for someone who who just doesn't know what's going on here? So well, I think not in your head. Like I think the first thing is to establish the fact that intercession is to be a go-between, to be a mediator okay. between two parties, right? Yes. That there may be some sort of conflict, which we understand we're the sinners. Right. So we are the ones who have wronged God and we are accountable to his law Mm -hmm. and his government demands that we should die. Mm -hmm. Right. But Christ, not only through his sacrifice, but then through his intercession, pleads for us, even as we continue to walk forward in that experience with God. So it's like, yes, you know, his his sacrifice is able to cover my sins and he can take that blood and minister that. And to essentially say when Sebastian falls, when Sebastian struggles, says, Father, my blood mm-hmm. covers him, mm-hmm. and now he's interceding for me. So, what, what does that mean on my experience, though? Like, what, yeah. what, what do I, what do I just lean on him as my lawyer, as my interceder, or yeah. what? As what a lawyer, I, I think, when I a long time ago, I had to buy a house, and during the process of the pur- of the purchase of the home, mm-hmm. I decided to back out. Mm-hmm. And when that's, that's a big no-no, right? Okay. When I decided to back out, I got a letter from the people that were selling their house that essentially was a lawsuit. And I, I received that lawsuit, and I, I felt, how in the world am I going to defend myself? And I began to do all this research. The more research I did, the worse my condition became. Freaking out. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, because the problem got bigger and bigger. Where right. I, at first, I was like, you know what? I can sit down and talk with these people. They're nice. I, the more I read, the more I realized I am in deeper trouble than I was before. Yeah, uh-huh. And the more I dig, the more deeper the trouble becomes. Until finally, I decided to contact a lawyer who was a friend, mm. church member. Mm-hmm. And when I spoke with him, the most beautiful words that ever came out of human lips <laughs> was when he said, my experience tells me uh-huh. this will not go to court. Uh-huh. And he says, you will be able to settle out of court. And immediately when I heard those words coming out of a professional lawyer, everything just changed. You're banking on his yeah, experience. on his experience. I mean, it's his knowledge. And, and, yeah, yeah. and his ability to intercede for other people. So then I'm at the dentist. I'm getting my dental work done. And, um, you know, this thing is, is, is controlling my life. So I'm, I'm now speaking to my dentist about, like, my troubles, right? <laughs> and my dentist knows my lawyer. 
And he says, listen, this guy, he's not going to tell you himself, but he's the best guy out there. Hmm. When he tells you something, it's good. So you got an affirmative yeah. witness. So I got this affirmative witness from my dentist. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and now I know everything just completely changes, right? Yeah. Because my condition is no longer dependent on me, but it's dependent on a professional intercessor. And Jesus, let me just... No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Jesus <laughs> is, Jesus is the, he's the, he's the perfect lamb. Yes. He's the perfect high priest. Yes. And he's the perfect intercessor. intercessor. In the beginning, the Bible says, was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He's the intercessor from the very beginning, from the voice of God to the human ear. He's interceding. You know, this is, uh, 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 an Adventist scholar talks about that. And so Jesus is the perfect intercessor. He's been interceding, not just in the sin context mm -hmm. between us and and God in judgment, but from eternity past mm -hmm. to eternity future. He's always going to be. That is awesome. That is awesome. I, I, I want to get this kind of lawyer. Yeah, Jesus is <laughs> awesome lawyer. And, yeah. and if you ever need legal, I'll just call yeah. him. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, the thing... Sebastian, you want to get into it? You're interrupting... Uh, yeah, I know. All the time. That's all right, bro. I don't want to mess up your I flow, man. <laughs> so, you know, it was what you were saying was just reminding me, you know, I haven't always been a saint. And I remember going to court, you know, with a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And while we were waiting in the courtroom, there were other individuals' cases who were being heard before mine. Yeah. And one guy, he was talking to his lawyer, and they went to the podium to speak, because it's not official until you speak into the podium for the stenographer or whatever to record it. So he goes over, and the lawyer, you could tell the lawyer was counseling him, do not say a word, just keep to yourself, I will handle it, right? But when he got up there and the judge was like, listen, you know, He's going off on the person. This is your fourth time in court. I gave you probation. I, I was, you know, lenient towards you. Now you're messing up again. <laughs> then he starts speaking and doesn't oh. let the lawyer speak. Mm. And so then as soon as he starts speaking, the judge interrupts him and says, just so you know, you're a convicted felon. And I will not believe anything you have to say. Mm. Because the assumption in the court of law, as my lawyer was telling me when I was asking him, uh -huh. he said, in the, in the court of law, if you're guilty, anything you're going to do is going to be speaking to justify yourself. Uh -huh. You're trying to get out of the punishment. You're trying to get out of under condemnation. But the lawyer is presumed to have a character of excellence and of moral upstanding because they're not the one convicted. So therefore, when they speak for you and say, look, mm. my client is really remorseful and really wants to do this, they'll actually listen. So when I went up there, I didn't say anything, right? I'm going to let him so speak. This, I nod. In this verse, verse 26, we have a high priest who is fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has come, become higher than the heavens. This is his, his excellent character. It's his resume. It's, his it's resume, not excellent. Yeah. It's yeah. the most excellent character. Higher than the highest have. human thought can uh, reach. You have a character here. That's <laughs> awesome. Higher than I, the I love the imagery here also in verse 26. You have a high priest, and he mentions this. This is not a priest. He couldn't mention that Jesus was a priest. Hmm. A priest went into to the holy place and did intercessory ministry, but he mentions high priest specifically, hmm. um, and, and the high priest goes into the most holy place to enact judgment. Sometimes I think when we think of judgment, we think of British judgment. We think of people, you guys went to court, and you know, there's like a British dude there, and he's got a long, you know, black robe <laughs> or with a wig, a wig on. on with a, with a but the yeah. biblical judges are actually, you know, the Samsons and the Gideons and these guys who go out and they're cleansing the land of the Gentiles. They're these warriors who are fighting on your behalf. Hmm. And you see this in the book of Revelation. I mean, I, I always use this, use this imagery. I mean, I'm Korean. People think I'm Chinese or Japanese. We all look the same. I'm Korean, <laughs> and uh, we have this special ritual that we do. We go to bathhouses. Yeah, have you guys mm. ever been to a bathhouse? Absolutely mm. not. I yeah, you guys are, are Western. You guys have, you guys are, are, yeah. Anyway, so we go to these bathhouses, <laughs> and that's what he's going to say. Um, <laughs> and we have this ritual where we scrub our skin. 
Yeah. Mm, that's we, an interesting we, we, ritual. We, we scrub our skin. And there's always, like, every time I go, and the, the guys go to the guy section, the women go to the women's section, and there's this person who comes and they scrub our skin from, from every, every place where their skin is, is where it's being scrubbed, right? Okay. And what happens is you have epithelial <laughs> cells that, that are on. You actually have dead skin cells that are on that haven't really flaked off yet. This is the basis for, for, for dust. And so you go, and you can lose pounds of skin. No way. And, 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 and no, I'm serious. And then you always have that Westerner, that one American, we're like, oh, I want to have tried this new experience. And, <laughs> and when Asians have been scrubbed, Koreans have been scrubbed since they were little. But the Western guy goes, and, and they're screaming their heads off because they're getting exfoliated on all sorts of <laughs> most holy parts of his body, too. Hence you know, my all, okay. All stuff. <laughs> after you're done, though, after you scrub. Your skin peels off. Not, it's not like peel, like hurtful peel, but just yeah. kind of like, you know, even if you do this, a little bit of skin falls off. They look like eraser shavings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all over your body, and then they spray you down, and then you go, to, you go somewhere, else, other way, somewhere else and you get cleansed. But you look back at this table that you've laid on. There's this like, you see your exfoliated skeleton shell there. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. And then he sprays it off, and there's a D, D, uh, what is it? Sanitizer. Desanit- or sanitizer or whatever. And then he goes, and the next person comes up, right? And he does this again and does it again. So every person who goes into this bathhouse is dirty. <laughs> but when they come out, they come out like, like squeaky clean. <laughs> but the place of where the uh, accumulation of dirtiness is this bathhouse mm-hmm. and you know it's like we, the sanctuary it, it's you, you go in there ah, you got it you, you got you, it i just you, i just love you it you lose your, your sin you hand it over and you walk away and you're clean and not just clean but i would say free filled with joy at peace with god and the high priest says yeah i got it under control yeah. i'll take care of this and and and, and just if we can adapt the analogy not for the bathhouse but once a year this sanctuary, or once in the point of history, in, in one point in history, right. this, this sanctuary is cleansed, right. and sin is eradicated. Mm-hmm. Amen. I love this Jesus. Amen? Amen. How many of you love this kind of Jesus? I have, I've loved all the components of Jesus as lamb, as blood, as priest, and as high priest who does a final cleanse of the entire universe. My prayer is I want to be close to this Jesus. Hopefully that's your prayer. Hopefully that's your prayer. Thank you so much for joining us for on this episode of Inverse. Join us next week as we look at last day events in the book of Revelation and Daniel and throughout the Bible. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.